Welcome to Behind the Podium, a podcast series produced by GTS Educational Events that lets you hear what speakers are saying before or after the podium mic is turned on. Join me, your host, Jasper Appleton, to find out what makes these speakers tick and discover new insights about topics that matter to you on each episode of Behind the Podium. Welcome to the first edition of Behind the Podium. I'm your host, Jasper Appleton, and with me today is the man known as the most connected person on the planet and our 2019 Government IT Symposium keynote speaker, Mr. Chris Dancy. Mr. Chris, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, excited. I don't do a lot of podcasts, so this is good. Awesome. Yeah, no, this is a first for me as well, so I'm really excited to jump in and, and uh, talk to you about it. So just tell us a little, little bit about yourself and uh, how you became the most connected man on the planet. Okay, so it's uh, we're recording this in 2019. So in 2008, I had just turned 40. I was, so 10 years ago or 11 years ago, I was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. I was drinking a lot of alcohol. I was um, eating a lot of bad food. I was about 100 pounds heavier than I am now. And it kind of dawned on me one day when I looked at my computer, like, my internet browser history knew so much like about the crazy stuff I was doing and how I was living. Whereas like I had no personal feedback mechanism. Right. So it kind of made me think, cause I had a, a, a history at that point in database. Uh, and a lot of that involved uh, putting in databases for government institutions, which we can talk about later, mm-hmm. yep. but it kind of made me think, wow, what would it take for me to understand my life as well as my laptop and my computer at that time? Right. Slowly over the next two years, from 2008 till about 2010, when my phone started taking over my life like a lot of other people, I started being really conscious of how to extract my behavior from these mm-hmm. devices, right. whether it just be just carrying a phone or using a mm-hmm. laptop or having a Fitbit or all the other ways you can do it to be able to kind of surface who I was and what I believed in. And slowly but surely by 2012, I was at a conference and someone was in the audience. I was literally an audience member. Right. And they were sitting behind me and the guy said, what is that? And he saw my Google calendar and I stored all my mm-hmm. data in my Google calendar because you can search your life real easy. That right. Way. Yeah. And I, I told him what I was doing. And that guy was a reporter for Wired magazine. Oh, wow. And within three months, there was a story in Wired about, how a 40-year-old obsolete tech person rebuilt himself for the future by studying his own behavior using devices. And that spawned the first iteration, which was world's most surveilled person. And then the BBC made a mistake and called me the most connected instead of the most surveilled, and it's been that ever since. And then ever since. So yeah, but the, the moniker is stuck, and that's incredible. So how did that drive you to, to kind of change and pivot towards keynote speaking and, and using that to to kind of spread that information? Well, I mean, it's it's weird. And I, I don't often get even asked that question. So it's kind of yeah. kind of interesting you would ask. So, you know, I did I did the thing. I was still a an IT. I was still mm-hmm. supporting, you know, all sorts of businesses, government, big, small, et cetera. And I was still designing IT systems. And I did that until about 2014. The problem was, and the, I don't think this is a problem a lot of people have, I became more famous than the companies I was working for. Right, yeah. So, you know, it's really hard when you work for a billion dollar company, but people mm-hmm. only want to talk about you. Not you, you, exactly. Yeah. Support. So I was kind of early in the influencer space. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I think that's the, what the kids call it today. <laughs> yeah. And um, it just, you know, it, it became increasingly hard. So then I moved to healthcare mm-hmm. and healthcare has a lot of the similar systems, but I wasn't in the same role. I was designing population systems. So right. whereas when I was in IT and working for different organizations, I managed 
machines and systems. Mm -hmm. Then I moved into healthcare and that was populations. But even that became too difficult because again, by the time I was in my healthcare role, I'd shot my first special for Showtime. I'd been just offered a book deal. So the thing that's really weird about my life is people always want to know, how do you make money? Exactly. And then, you know, what do you do all day? And Mm -hmm. it's really hard because if I were to go out and get a regular job again, which I would love to have, I think they're lovely. It's hard because again, people are like, will you talk about us? You know, will Mm -hmm. you mention us online? Will you, Mm -hmm. you know, and then that's just, it's it's really out of place. I'm hoping at some point, I won't be known and I'll be able to like have a regular job. But even then people still Google me. I mean, it was hard to date for a while because people Mm -hmm. would Google me before I'd go on a (laughs) Right. Get the little Google check just to make sure. And then, oh, this man is famous. Okay. And I get good search. Right. Oh yeah, of course. Real good search. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, just doing the, the research about you, you know, myself, it right away, it just typing in, uh, there was an interview where I think it was on your page where it said, if you just type in the most, your second page. And uh, well, that's become... my thing was in 2013, it, you had to type in the phrase most connected man in the world. Mm-hmm. By 2015, you, you typed in like most connected man. By right. 2017, it was just like most connected. <laughs> exactly. But by 2020, I just wanted to be just most. Most, right. Yeah. <laughs> just to be shot up there. Yeah. But yeah, and so you previously talked about uh, working in the government sector and, you know, pivoting over to, you know, where you'll be in in promoing for, um, where you'll be in December, which is the government IT symposium uh, GTS is is hosting. Um, Taking that experience that you you found in government sector, how did your time uh, there influence your perception of this collection of data and, and what you, you know, essentially got famous for? Like how, how can that be used to change human behavior? Well, I think we live in a really interesting time because there's a lot of backlash against big tech, you know, Mm -hmm. or Silicon Valley, whereas you take the same data sets and actually make them more intimate, whether it be, you know, pre-existing history of healthcare or income taxes Mm -hmm. or just societal trends for crime and other things. So the data sets that the government have are so rich. Mm -hmm. And back when I used to design these not these systems, but, you know, right, early yeah. government systems right. from, uh, you know, the mid nineties to the mid two thousands. I mean, it wasn't as easy as it was to crunch the numbers as it is nowadays. So mm-hmm. I think what I'm really excited about, you know, the government IT symposium is the thing that they've asked me to address is the role of privacy right. and how privacy, what it, what it means in the future for folks. And I think there is really no better place to start to unpack that because mm-hmm all things being considered, would you rather give your, uh, your, your lifestyle data to Mark Zuckerberg right, at exactly. the healthcare or the Department of Health and Human Services? And, and mm-hmm. I think we're heading toward a time where people will, and when I say will, I mean willfully, joyfully, right. give over large amounts of their very intimate personal behavior to an institution that will, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways return maybe healthcare or return uh, tax incentives, uh, et cetera. Right. You know, universal basic income looks a lot like what I did mm-hmm. through the right filter. Right. Yeah. So just better services and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the services are really driven by the amount of friction it takes to collect a piece of information about someone. Right. Uber didn't create a car riding service. They created a service that understood exactly where you were and where you were going. It has nothing right. to do with anything else. And I think as governments you know, whether it's just the United States government or other governments that I've done work with, as those people start to say, how do we empower people? You know, government's in a really tough space because taxation is really low, right? Mm-hmm. People aren't paying enough taxes. 
in some places in the world. In some places they're paying too much. Mm -hmm. So I like to think about government as a service. Like what could government do with the information they service from us to mm -hmm. return value to us? And if big Silicon Valley companies aren't going to pay taxes yeah, could exactly. we and create services, you know, city as a service, mm -hmm. what are these services tied to living in one city uh, versus another? And exactly, kind of start yeah. to really work on the income disparity issues. So in the future, say 20, 30 years, you know, down the road, how would the government kind of, you know, well, regulate think, that technology? Yeah. So we need to first look at, I think how we got there like you said how right, will they exactly. so you know it's how we get there i mean it's obvious it's coming right so there's two exactly. i think there's two obvious futures one that's very corporate driven or one mm. that's very uh government driven now you could call this socialism or capitalism you could right. go down some rabbit hole of politically incorrect mm -hmm. terms to use but the reality is who's going to manage most of the services that exactly. are designed and connected to you i believe that in some ways there are certain services that have a just fundamental obvious inclination to government and certain mm -hmm. ones that have an obvious inclination to private sector. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, you know, if you look at some of the you know, disasters with you know, climate or some of the disasters with industrial accidents, you really want those tied to an organization that can mobilize across a large population. That would be government. But you right. know, healthcare, I think, is one of those weird ones where you know, I like the idea of a single payer system, but I really think it needs to be headed by almost a, a, a citizen a citizen group. Mm -hmm. How do we get there? The reality is, you know, taxes are, and, and the amount of budget we can spend on things right. that we want yeah. are going down and discretionary spending is going up. Mm -hmm. So we need to really create a system where people opt in large portions of their life, you know, right, yeah. you know Aetna giving people Apple watches and mm -hmm. reduced for, for reduced healthcare insurance. And we need to start to monitor and, and, and help those people live lives that are more aligned right. to keeping costs low, mm -hmm. which kind of takes us down this big brother type of road. But I think there's another way that that can be seen. Yeah. And so exactly. And so just like how the government needs to transition from that big brother role to that big mother role where, cause you know, I, I liked, I think you said in one of the, one of your interviews where idea of technology will no longer be something that we can hold or something that we can, you know, put on our wrists. It'll literally be a part of us. And so, you know, relegate or not relegate, regulating that technology, you know, in 20, 30 years now, will it be more, we're going to teach, you know, our kids how to use it, or will it become something like you said, where capitalists and, 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 uh, these big, you know, companies will kind of dictate that and show us, you know, different ads that we, that they want us to see instead of, you know, how we can use it to, you know, make our human behavior a lot better. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's, that's the real crux mm -hmm. of, the world we're looking at, you know, this utopian or dystopian world, right. you know, the first thing is, I don't think it's 20 or 30 years. I think mm -hmm. it's five or 10. Wow. And we're already looking at, you know, regulating algorithms, whether mm -hmm. they're algorithms on social media or algorithms that drive all sorts of things. Now we had kind of a reckoning with credit and social mm -hmm. credit scores. So let's be right. honest, the credit, credit scores and that management of that system is heavily regulated by the government and it's heavily regulated so that you're spending mm -hmm. and the ratios that you I mean it's let's be honest yeah. credit scores work for most people now right. i want to get into the politics of where <laughs> they don't work because i think yeah. it's, there's both sides of that but the reality is when we think about how governments you know institutions that manage massive mm -hmm. millions and millions of people and populations yeah. that becomes really really important to have i think a just and fair system you know and again i shouldn't have to pick apple or android i should pick yeah. the united states
Exactly. Uh, and I think, you know, you can have even a state by state play. You know, there might be mm -hmm. states that are usually pay more for your data or, or incentivize you differently for your data, you know, depending on where we need people to be. You know, right mm -hmm. now there's a lot of people missing in the Midwest, you know, and a lot right, of people exactly. living on coasts. Mm -hmm. And I think you could encourage diversity by saying, you know, hey, get off the coast. You know, I, I have a home in New York and I have a home in Houston, but get mm -hmm. off the coast and move to Iowa. And if you right. do that, we'll pay you two times, you know, the rate that we do for your consumer data. And, and I think these types of things are yeah. obvious. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, again, they'll be here by the end of 20, the 2020s. Mm -hmm. I think they'll be in place by 2025. And I think by the next election cycle, we're already hearing politicians. If you remember, you know, the, the 2016 election cycle, most people didn't even talk about social media. Right. Yeah. You know? And it played a huge factor in, you know, in decided it. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, I think, you know, Barack Obama in 2008 mm -hmm. really kind of merged the two. But by 2016, it's, it's a different you, field. You were cyborgs. You're dealing with yeah. managed people who could exist on feedback loops. So mm -hmm. for me, when I think about the government IT symposium, it's so critically important. I spoke at South by Southwest recently, and there were some mm -hmm. people from the Department of Health and Human Services and Homeland Security and all these other right. folks. And they have ridiculous data sets. They just don't have they don't have any idea what to do with them. Right, exactly. And there's so much. And your whole point and what I believe your speech was about is there's so many different ways for them to use that data set to make humanity as a whole just better. And exactly. So, and and yeah. again, that, we have to be careful with that because some people might say mm -hmm. it's not the government's role to dictate exactly. what yeah. better is. Right. Yes. Right? Yes. The better for you might not be exercising. Not be better from everyone else. Right? Exactly. And cleaning. Right. But again, I think it's, it's, it's one of these things that, again, the more technology we have mm -hmm. or these decisions can be tailored, you know, exactly. we, in healthcare, we call personalized medicine. Mm -hmm. I see a personalized government. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, again, my rate of taxation shouldn't be what I make. It should be what I consume. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's a very, very fair point. And so you, you're uh, quoted a lot saying, you know, that when people say that we need less technology in their lives, it's completely wrong. It's the opposite that it, it's not. Yeah. I, I am quoted about, I'm really, <laughs> I get a lot of play on that because yeah. I think we're, we're living in a time where if you, if you pretend to be digitally Amish, mm -hmm. like, you know, you don't need it. That yeah. somehow you're seen as more human. Like you're somehow right, exactly. a superior person. Yeah. I don't think not using technology makes you a good person. Mm -hmm. Just as I don't think going to church makes you a Christian. Mm, I, exactly. I, I think that, you know, again, if we were honest with ourselves, we realized that, you know, most people in 2019, mm -hmm. right, it'll almost be 2020 by the time the conference comes, they need their devices to talk to family, exactly. to make their work, right. a lot of people need them for healthcare. And if we look at every young person taking a selfie or, or, or sending a message as someone mm -hmm. who's narcissistic and not focusing on the world, we're missing an opportunity to find out what people are doing. Exactly. And you know, phones don't break people. Shame does. Wow. No, yeah, that's a very, very good point. People always say, well, you know, it's because you use so many devices. And exactly. You're so yeah. That's and why you're so pro-technology. No. no, no. If it were up to me, I'd have no technology. Right. right. I love just talking to you, being here. Exactly. Stuff. Right. But yeah. there's certain but technology I need. I need lights. Exactly. And and yeah, right. and True. technology right. enables us to do this. So I would never exactly. have had the opportunity to, to do this without technology. You know, and, and I think... I don't like the the, the the gamification of technology. Mm -hmm. right? I, I don't even I don't even dislike social media. I dislike the numbers of social media. I dislike right. the number of likes and read. I can't look yeah. at right. Facebook without seeing that. 
and people and people define themselves by you know how many how much how their how much their influence reaches people how many likes they got on an instagram you know how many likes they had on a facebook post and that you know number kind of sinks in and, and you know provides meaning for for some people especially in my youth and it's a huge problem you know for for my youth because so many people are developing, you know, anxiety for not wanting to post things that they want on social media because they're afraid that they don't look like these people who are on social media. And so it definitely yeah, I mean, becomes, I'm to the point yeah. where I don't even want to post on social media, not mm-hmm. because like, not because of all the normal reasons, but I don't want anyone reading into my life, right. the metrics of it, or mm-hmm. just the images of it and going, his life is so good. Exactly. Because I just know for me personally, me, not anyone else, right. when I look at Facebook, I cannot look at the date something mm-hmm. was posted, how many people were talking about it, and how many people gave a reaction. Right. It, that's, you know, I use a plugin by a guy named Ben Grosser that removes all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, again, I think you should be friends with people, not popularity. Exactly. And, you know, it's slowly over time that we're going to develop services and or plugins to hide that sort of thing. Already, Instagram is minimizing follower counts when you mm-hmm. view profiles. I think, um, you know, Twitter has done some things to kind of change the font and coloring on certain things. But Mm -hmm. again, it needs to happen sooner. You can still measure people. You just have to make it visible, right? Everybody has a weight, even if they don't own a scale. Mm. Exactly. Sorry, we kind of got a little sidetracked getting into social media there. But speaking to kind of the government, you know, employees that will be there at the symposium, what do you hope that today's government IT workforce will take away from, you know, your work and you know, your contributions to not only technology, but also just, you know, as a human. Well, there's, there's really two answers. Like there's the yeah. answer that the conference organizers have, and then there's mm-hmm. the answer I I want, right? Right. I, but, you know, I have to be honest with myself. So people, when I speak mm-hmm. uh, you know, at events, I want the people in the audience to first feel empowered themselves. Yeah. Because I think we live in a time where there's so much connectedness, we can feel overwhelmed and also not important. Like, mm-hmm. how in the world am I supposed to do my job if there's a, the most connected man in the world on stage telling me all these things to do and not do, right? Right. So I want people to know that, first off, they're going to be fine. The careers are fine. Don't worry about robots coming to take your job. <laughs> right. You know, it, just stop, right? The second thing is be thoughtful and deliberate about the choices you make at work, whether it's recommending a vendor, recommending a solution, or just having a meeting about the, addressing a problem. You know, people who think through challenges – Mm-hmm. and who don't automatically look for a link to prove they're right, right. are really rare right now. Mm-hmm. So many people are like suffering from this Cassandra syndrome, like, see, I told you this three years ago, or they'll send you an article saying, we need to change everything. This just got published. And, you know, thank God cars don't drive that way, you know? You right. know, <laughs> stop driving because rain's coming. No, 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 you can't yeah. keep driving, right? right? So, you know, I really hope the people from the symposium will first see me as a partner and someone who's, done work and understand mm. you know, the, the processes and systems in government organizations, but more than anything, as like someone who could be their neighbor, who understands that they worry about feeding their kids, they worry about their kids getting good jobs, they worry about the infrastructure of, of our cities and our, and our states and our government, who thinks about the protections of people mm. and rights and liberties. Um, and that someone who's done, a, I think, a pretty good job of using technology right. to not only craft myself, mm-hmm. but the world around me to be kinder, gentler, and better. Yeah. And I think that is a great, great last thing to, to kind of leave them with. I mean, just kind of being not because you, you changed yourself and you, but it's who you are, you know, at, at the core and, and data kind of helped you figure that out. Yeah. I sometimes joke and say, I wish I was known as the world's most mindful cyborg. <laughs> the world's most connected person. Right. I think people who meet me in person, 
I mean, I'm always told I'm struck by your energy. And no, I'm just, yeah, that was I, one of the first things that I noticed about you is how really? positive your energy was. Yeah, how just easy because I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'll edit this part out. But yeah, this is my first time kind of doing a podcast over over the air, getting everything set up, just had to do it all by myself. And but just you being you and you, you know, the riff that we had, it was, it was great. And so it made I it a lot easier. People, I have this. I have this really weird skill because I wore sensors forever. Or mm-hmm. I wore sensors for a decade. So you yeah. become and you know what you call a sensor who's a human? Hmm. Call that person paying attention. <laughs> and I think what people feel for me is just my genuine care, right? Which is my, you know, I'm paying attention. Uh, and you know, there used to be this saying that was really rich in the media, like if you're not paying, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Right. And I think if you're not peaceful, you're not paying exactly. attention. Exactly. Because yeah. you know it comes from that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really easy to be angry. Um, mm-hmm. Moderation is a is a technology that's a little bit harder. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you for taking the time today, Chris. Um, the link to Chris's socials and his website will be in the description below. Um, also, be sure to watch Chris speak December 10th through 12th at the government uh, symposium in Minnesota. But thank you so much. We really do appreciate your time. It was a pleasure meeting with you and talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jasper. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone in uh, Minneapolis. Thanks for listening to Behind the Podium, a podcast by GTS Educational Events. Visit our website, mngts.org, for the full lineup of podcasts and to learn about all the exciting events we have coming up, including the Government IT Symposium taking place at St. Paul River Center on December 10th through 12th. Every year, we bring in IT leaders and professionals from across the spectrum of government for three days of innovation, networking, and learning. And this year will be better than ever, so you really don't want to miss it.